Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I'm glad to have a returning special guest for this morning's conversation with smart people. First, our guest, Dr. Earl Stewart. Thank you, King, for being with us this morning. Uh, d- glad to have you back, if you will. Say hello to the Truth Seekers and give people a little bit of your background. Good morning. Uh, uh, I am Earl Stewart, and thank you, Montoya Black Socrates, for having me on this morning. I am uh, an internal medicine physician. I practice um, in a couple of communities just south of Atlanta, about uh, 50, uh, 50 minutes south of Atlanta. And I live in Griffin, Georgia practice there most recently and my longtime practice for the last uh, three, three and a half years has been in Thomaston, Georgia, which has been an additional 30 minutes uh, further south in a more of a rural community uh, uh, t- doing inpatient medicine and outpatient medicine uh, in that area. So uh, it's a delight to be with you all this morning and uh, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Glad to have you on once again. Um, last time you were here, we were, you know, we were having the direct conversation about vaccines, if you will, and you being an internal medicine, mm-hmm. um, that being your background. I want for anybody out there who maybe who doesn't understand exactly what that is, you know, we don't do the interview here. We're gonna do a conversation, but just to give a little more detail to exactly what internal medicine is for somebody out there listening who might not understand. If you can kind of just share, you know, what does that actually entail? What do you do? What is your expertise? And then we'll just kind of roll from there. So I often uh, describe internal medicine as being uh, the the specialty of medicine in general that takes care of patients from high school graduation to the grade. 
So a lot of times people will confuse internal medicine with family medicine. We actually aren't family medicine specialists. That's a different specialty in medicine. They basically uh, take care of children as well as adults. Pediatricians only specialize in diseases and ailments and preventive care uh, for for children. Um, but we primarily focus on health care for the adult population. So uh, that ranges from preventive care, preventing diseases, uh, vaccinations, uh, preventing diabetes, preventing hypertension. Uh, we have a wide range of responsibilities. Uh, there are some doctors who will just focus on uh, practicing in an office-based setting. There are some who call themselves hospitalists who will only work in a hospitalized setting during the daytime. There are some hospitalists who only work at night. Uh, they, they're called nocturnists. Uh, there are some doctors who teach. And they're academic specialists. So there are a variety of different things that you can do with the specialty of internal medicine. So uh, I'm somewhat biased because I want everybody who who goes to medical school to be an internal medicine specialist, but of course that uh, that's not that's not going to happen. But uh, but we right, primarily right, right. Uh, we we can do a lot with the specialty. Uh, many of your subspecialists, uh, your GI doctors who do colonoscopies, your cardiologists, your kidney specialists, your nephrologists, they are all internal medicine doctors okay. who have gone further to do additional training. So um, we're all internists. Okay, no, no, that definitely kind of explains it all. And so, you know, let's get not just take it off the cuff and not specifically in what you do. Uh, but we're in an era now, and let me tell me how much you are exposed to this. You know, obviously, you do your work and you're in your field. And you know, as I've gotten to know you, um, you love what you do and you care about our community specifically. And we like to have discussions about you know the black community, if you will. But but to a certain extent, I think this has always existed, even when I was younger. I think it's heightened, or maybe I just pay more attention to it now. But there's a level of skepticism when it comes to just the doctor field in general that that that, that, mm-hmm. that still permeates our community, in my personal opinion. And so, again, being on this, the end that you're in on it, do you do you see that? Do you experience that? What did you hear growing up? Obviously, you chose to go into the career field, even if you did hear things to the negative, if, if you will. But there's always this distrust when it comes to just the career field in general. So how much do you hear that? Is that noise to you? Do you think it is still a real concern? How do, how do you see that, that discussion as it plays out specifically for the African-American community? Uh, I think it is something that is still predominant in in really um, kind of diffusely all over, um, despite a person's racial background. But I agree with you, it really is more of an issue in the African-American community, specifically as it pertains to African-American men, it's hard to get a brother to come to the doctor. And usually he will come to the doctor at the request of his wife, or his girlfriend, his significant other, uh, you know, his old lady. It's just hard to get a brother to come to the doctor. But I, what I have discovered is that a brother will come to the doctor if he has a doctor that looks like him. 
and if he has a doctor who understands him, and if he has a doctor who could somewhat kind of relate to him in some sort of way and kind of get down or up or over to his level and kind of break things down in, in, in such a way um, where he could kind of really understand the importance of why he needs to have a certain test and why he needs to have his prostate uh, level, his PSA, prostate-specific antigen checked at a certain age, why he needs to have a colonoscopy, which uh, a lot of brothers, um, African-American men, uh, Caucasian men, a lot, a lot of brothers just don't want to have that done, of course, because of what has to happen. But it is important because that that is a very prevalent cancer in the United States. So, so um, I think a lot of that kind of historically, and, and when I was in medical school, you know, there was this discussion about a lot of that relating back to, to the Tus- Tuskegee syphilis studies where, you know, mm-hmm. African-American men will kind of utilize um, against their will or un- unknowingly, you know, uh, kind of unknowingly for those studies where they were potentially exposed to, they were exposed to syphilis. And and I, I don't know if it relates to a lot of the distrust that we see with the medical community today and even when it comes to uh, Henry Henry Lacks. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those kinds of examples and, you know, a lot of our people way back not really being specifically told about what they were being exposed to and what their what their bodies were being um, utilized for. And, and, and one of my favorite writers, uh, Tunahasi Coates, kind of in his um, book, Between the World and Me, when he kind of gives this educational treatise to his son about, you know, what, what living in the world is like, he, he focuses a lot on the motif of his body, you know, that your body is under attack. Everybody wants to attack your body. kind of focuses on a modern-day sort of slavery in terms of what we're dealing with. And so, so I think dealing with the African American community, we kind of have this subconscious view of not really wanting in the the medical community to, to really have control of. We want to have that autonomy. We want to have that control of our bodies, and we should. One of the mm-hmm. tenets, one of the ethical tenets of how we practice medicine is is the patient has full autonomy and everybody should have autonomy. African-Americans are no mm-hmm. different. And uh, I think really what helps an African-American woman, what specifically and, and more powerfully helps an African-American man overcome that, that distrust and mistrust is having somebody who looks like them. And uh, a lot of that comes as to why I really, really focus a lot my mentorship focused a lot on encouraging African American men to kind of enter the field of medicine. So. No, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've you've said a lot there. Let's unpack a little bit of that. Um, I would share mm-hmm. with you in my conversations. Again, I'm pretty sure you're busy doing your work, and obviously, you've just you know kind of admitted that's part of your commitment. And uh, and obviously, I would say to you on air, I appreciate that your commitment is to our community in that manner. Um, but I will say in the conversations that I have within our community when it comes to this area, they do often bring up 
the, now that we know about Henrietta Lack, right, that's kind of a new Revelations for at least, you know, you may have known about her being in that field, but I would say publicly we, we were kind of late to learn about that revelation, uh, but definitely the mm-hmm. Tuskegee experiment and, you know, even a few others that, you know, that we're now coming to discover, especially in the information age, you know, there's been some pretty, you know, tragic things that are specifically target our community, even addition, in addition to the Tuskegee experiment. And people do kind of speak to that. And so it does, unfortunately, permeate our subconscious. I say unfortunate from the standpoint that those things are absolutely tragic and unfortunate. And I'll say this, it makes it fair that the skepticism exists because we have had those experiences, right? Like what I'm saying is there's, there's a degree of, I always try to give some credibility to our degree of conspiracy theory, right? Like the, 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 that, mm-hmm. that, that concept, because it applies in so many aspects of our lives, not just the medical field itself, but there's this oh, yeah. real history reality that makes that a part of our subconscious what I would, you know, in, in you and in yours and our discuss our discussion is, if best as possible, to give some level of reassurance because again, we have to give credit yeah. credit to the history that creates this subconscious concern. However, I, I I think you would agree that the concern is now starting to hurt our getting help in areas that have made advancements that sometimes we are slow to take to or find out about because of that subconscious concern, if I am, you know, in a sense making sense with that. For example, and I'll let you jump in, for example, even our access to um, the different studies and how the medical field will say, all right, we're going to expose, you know, not expose, I'm sorry, it's the wrong wrong word, how they'll do the studies where, you know, people kind of, Kind of in a sense, be the guinea pigs. What's the term they use? The, the type of study they use. We're we're lacking when you look at the numbers. Not only are we lacking mm-hmm. in going into the career field from a doctor standpoint, as you're asking, and, and you know, saying we need more doctors. We also are not mm-hmm. participating in those um, studies that the career field, clinical trials. Yeah, clinical trials is the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. So if you can yeah. kind of speak to that, because that's an area yeah. that we that if we if we could somehow overcome that, we would now give we could eventually give the career field, the science field, if you will, enough of sample size to find out if anything is particular to our bodies. Like like that's a part of it too, right? That the that, that a lot of science cannot speak to us due to our lack of participation. And again I'm not blaming, I'm just talking about that reality that it hurts if there is anything specific to our community, the science field is going to be late to find out because we're not in the clinical trials enough, if you will. Yeah. Um, the first thing I tell, so, so the, the erudite astute physician, I often teach students and, and uh, residents when I was a senior resident, the erudite physician has the ability to read body language very well, has the ability to, to, to understand what is not said by the patient. A lot of times we learn in medical school how to appropriately conduct the medical interview that's in the textbooks. 
what we don't really do very well and what is now getting a lot of credence in, in, in medical education is um, what are we not teaching that residents are learning from? What's not written down in the curriculum? What's not written down in the, in the syllabi? What's, what's not there that what's, what's not written down that everybody's learning from? I will tell you that I honestly learned more from what was not read in a textbook a lot of times, primarily just from observation. And I say that to say um, I tell a lot of patients and their family members when I sense just from observation anxiety, especially people who look like me especially people who, who are from where I, I'm from, who have had similar experiences in life uh, as I have, being, being, from the inner, being, from the, being from the inner city, being, being from a, 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 primarily a single-family home, a single-parent single mm-hmm. home um, in Augusta, that um, there are no secrets. Because mm-hmm. that, when, that, when I say that statement, that almost... Mm-hmm immediately eradicates any kind of mistrust because mm-hmm. communication with your patients often always gets rid of the, that's one of the things they teach us about malpractice. You know, when you communicate with the patients, you know, that keeps, you know, malpractice suits down and keeps you from being Absolutely. Communicate with them. Talk to them. Absolutely. I tell them, that's one of the ways that you're trying to get you, – you really have to try to get rid of that mistrust, but to, to focus on your, what you specifically brought up. There are a lot of uh, – we have to be culturally competent in our approach to how okay. we uh, practice medicine because there are some diseases that only affect African Americans. There are some diseases that primarily affect Ashkenazi Jews. There's a lot in – the literature today, there's a lot in the lay literature, there's a lot in media about how um, African-Americans, our people, are disproportionately looked at when it comes to being treated for pain, pain mm-hmm. because some physicians who don't look like us automatically think that we're drug seeking. And that's true, it happens. There's a, I guess one of the main things I need to say because we're on mental dialogue is to is state the obvious. Um, there's yeah. a lot of racism in medicine, right? Dr. Damon right. Tweedy's book, uh, Black Man in the White Coat, is where everybody needs to start in terms of, um, of, okay. of, of learning about that. So Black Man in the White Coat is a necessary read for every, all, the, all the truth seekers on this podcast today. If they have not read it, because he really talks about um, his own individual's experiences dealing with his mm-hmm. his his chronic kidney disease, being a medical student, um, coming to Atlanta and uh, traveling at Grady. I wow. think he also did some training at Howard University. He went to Duke. The racial prejudice in in medicine is still very much existing. All the more reason why we have to have more representation of ourselves, and, and there's a push for diversity in medical education right now. It's always been there. But when we've discovered that 
since the 1970s, the amount of African-American men applying, not being accepted to, applying to medical school has actually decreased comparable to other gender and racial uh, groups has actually gone, that's gone down since the 1970s. And everybody else has essentially stayed, stayed the same and gone up. Uh, we saw that that was a problem. And so mm-hmm. there's been a push among a lot of black doctors. That's where black men in a white coat came from. That's where black men in medicine came from. We, okay. the representation there is, has been very important. And I think I say all that to say and to kind of circle around and, and, and say what you're saying. When we have more doctors and researchers and more people who look like us in white coats, then we can get the necessary funding to create the, to, to, to write the grants, right. to that do makes the sense. clinical trials, to represent that our makes people, sense. right? That makes um, sense. That makes I, a lot of I sense. Sent, now, there's a patient of mine who has sickle cell disease who um, was seeing another colleague of mine who doesn't look like us. Not that that colleague really wasn't giving that patient good care. He right. was doing the best he could. But right. um, I found out about this study going on at University of Alabama, Birmingham, about this gentleman who is in a clinical trial right now through the NIH that they're funding a program at University of Alabama, Birmingham. And I, and I saw it, and this patient apparently has experienced some form of a cure of sickle cell disease. This is all brand new, like within the last month. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to the patient. Okay. I called him. I said, I want you to call and potentially get enrolled. He's done that. You know, nice. paying attention to these things in a culturally mm-hmm. competent way really makes a difference. And so that's what I'm getting. Makes a huge you have difference. to have the representation there. When you have the makes representation sense. there, when you have people in place right. who represent your ideas, who understand you, that matters. Right. Makes, it makes all the difference in the world. I definitely, I want to kind of just repeat it real quickly because I feel like I fully understand what you just said, and I'm pretty sure others have as well. But, but having heard that, I now get, whereas me kind of coming to you just kind of saying, hey, you know, let our people know they need to take advantage of these clinical studies, right? Like that's kind of all I said right. to you in so many words, right? And you're just coming yeah. back saying the reality is as, as, as much as – you know, Matoy, you would like to do that. Here's where the here's where the foundation is going to be necessary to even do that. Which, it, as you said, it will require absolutely more representation because you just understand the fact that culturally, without that representation, people are going to be skeptical sometimes for a good reason, even if it's something that could help them, as you just gave your perfect example, colleague doing a great job, but your cultural relevance and seeking and seeing those things, how you happen to see, hey, here's a study you might should be involved in, colleague giving the best, you know, best that they could do, but they're just not paying attention to that because that's not their wheelhouse, that's not their life. So it yeah. makes a world of difference, and I definitely clearly you know, understand that and appreciate which, which, you know, which, if you know, you listen to this show from time to time, you know, we're constantly making that push for STEM just right. all in all areas. Right. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have on a young man by the, um, let me see if I can remember Julian's last name, right? Now. Uh, I can't think of Julian's right last name. It, it just slipped my mind. I just had it, but a young, a brother who, who is, um, at Georgia Tech, and his goal is to specifically study sickle cell and one other disease. Like, that is his 
dream to to go mm-hmm. because what because what he said as a Georgia Tech student he's getting his doctorate right now. What he said mm-hmm. as as the doctor study that that he knows that there's just not been enough studies in that area, so he wants to push for more studies in that area and be the one to do them. So you know, uh, mm-hmm. Julian Rose was was the young man's name, and so mm-hmm. um, so that what you just said resonated with me. His example resonated with me because that's pretty much all you're saying. If we could get the representation, some a lot of what we need in a sense, would take care of itself is basically what I heard. And ultimately, it's all the more reason to continue the STEM push. Not that everybody can be in STEM, but we definitely are not taking advantage, as you as you pointed out. You know, I, I'm, It hurts me to hear that, as you said, African-American men specifically is the only group whose numbers have went down since the 70s when it comes to getting in specifically in your career field, if you will, uh, but that that's an issue. It's an issue because and, and it's, that's, it's, there's and that's a, and, yeah. Please go ahead. And that's an a, a, yes, sir. And that's a and, and not to cut you off, but that's a that's an AA. I, I like to give, I like to give the, the references. That's a WA. That's an AAMC report, the, the Association of American mm-hmm. Medical Colleges, and, right. um, and 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 very highly powered study, and and uh, it, it matters. And 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 so a lot of times we often talk about representation in um, at the government level, at the public policy mm-hmm. level. That matters. Mm-hmm. Right? That matters for the for the for the republic. That matters for for the matters of the people in general. But that matters also as it pertains to your health care. That matters also as it pertains to because we're a pluralistic society. That matters also as it pertains mm-hmm. to uh your money. Uh, in your finances, there needs to be. There, we need to have diversity and pluralism and e- eclecticism in everything. We basically need to be in everything, over everything, Absolutely. creating infrastructure in everything. Absolutely. Not that we necessarily need to isolate ourselves from everything, but we need to build our own in everything and do everything. And there, there needs to be a push for that. So we have to do that. We have to have our own, and we need to we need to uh, make sure that we be represented and be at the table. And if there's no there's there is no table, build your own. Absolutely. And, and let, let me let me even hit on that point because you're saying so much with that. And I and again, I just Lisa, let me say how I'm understanding. Again, I have the smartest audience on the radio, so I'm pretty sure they're receiving it as well. But yes. The, and I don't even really want to say, but the point of the biggest part of what you're saying is because mm-hmm. I think you're hinting at it without saying it is okay. when we look at the different areas that we're involved in, there is definitely yes. a, a their political involvement. We've kind of got that covered to a certain extent if we look at our history in this uh-huh. country. Um, you know, obviously there always could be more, so I'm not saying it's covered completely, but that's an area yep. where we, to a certain extent, con- Congressional Black Caucus, if you will, if you want to look at it on the federal level, but yep. even to a certain extent, definitely on local levels wherever we're aggregated, whether it's the Atlantas, whether it's the Detroits, you know, where you know anywhere yep. we're aggregated just by, by default almost, we have representation in those areas. So you're kind of saying that part without – without saying it, 
what what the craziest part about when you say it has to be in all areas is for people to understand how both of those things are interconnected because the rea- the mm-hmm. ultimate reality is and this is something that we all know I don't know if we think about it enough but the ultimate reality is the policymakers as much as we you know we say our one vote matters the reality is and we all know this now they're they're driven by the biggest players in the industries and so that's how we're missing the boat by not being in these industries that are driving the policies. Because at the end of the day, if I am your political representative, I can't know about all these areas that I'm signing a bill to. Guess who I'm finding out from? From the industry players themselves, whether it's business owners mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean, or the actual people that are doing these studies and saying, hey, here's something that we need that will be beneficial for the public, as you say. And 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 what's happening is by not being in the industries, we're not, not we're not in a position to drive policy that could specifically ensure that our community is being covered. So so mm-hmm. I because I, I noticed exactly what you're saying, and I saw I want people that are listening that he, hear you say, you know, even when you say build the table themselves, you're, ourselves, you're saying if we're not in the industry. Let's get in that industry and go represent within that industry. So as you said, you, I want to be clear, and you said it too, you're not talking about exclusive to the point that you're not part of the republic. You're just saying if you're not in the industry, we may have to go get in that industry, even if it means starting from scratch. It's kind of what I think I heard you say. Is that fair, uh, Dr. Stewart? Exactly. And what I'm also getting at is a, a, a lot of times we don't think about um, the, the field of healthcare as being an industry. We oftentimes mm-hmm. look at it as being for the nature of the public good, right? And it is, but but you have to have representation. We, we vote for you know our senators, our congressional representatives, but you know we don't vote for our doctors. Um, but we have to have doctors who look like us. We we want we want a diverse. Um, you know, congressional delegation, we also have to have diverse doctors who kind of understand us. Now, should there be racial prejudice anywhere? Uh, no. You know, that's, it's nonsense, really. That's what it is. Does it exist in many places? Yes. Um, and because it exists, that's still nonsense. But I, I do, our people have never really stopped because it exists. We just work around it and keep progressing and fight for the struggle to to tear the walls down, to tear that kingdom down. But I do, I do really want to just stress the importance of we bring up, you know, having more of our people enrolled in clinical trials. The clinical trial, there are clinical trials there. Um, I, I, I have to let me do this real quick. Before you kind of yes, go into that, let me go to a, a quick commercial break. Well, it won't be quick because I want you to listen to the cut that's going to come after the commercials. Um, okay. It's going to probably take us in a completely different direction. I hate to cut you off, but I definitely need to take care of my sponsors. No problem. Well. We'll be right back. Okay, this is the Mr. Dialogue okay. Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. 
every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situations like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. How did America rise up from a backwoods country to be one of the greatest nations the world has ever known? We pioneered industries. And all of this required the greatest innovations in science and technology in the world. And so science is a fundamental part of the country that we are. But in this, the 21st century, when it comes time to make decisions about science, it seems to me people have lost the ability to judge what is true and what is not. What is reliable, what is not reliable. What should you believe, what should you not believe. And when you have people who don't know much about science, standing in denial of it and rising to power, that is a recipe for the complete dismantling of our informed democracy. Let us demand that educators around America teach evolution not as fact, but as theory. Increasing number of parents showing skepticism about vaccinations. Voters have approved a ban on GMOs. They call climate change unproven science. That's not the country I remember growing up in. Not that we didn't have challenges. I'm old enough to remember the 60s and the 70s. We've got a hot war and a cold war, civil rights movement, and all of this was going on. But I don't remember any time where people were standing in denial of what science was. One of the great things about science is that it is an entire exercise in finding what is true. You have a hypothesis, you test it. I get a result. A rival of mine double checks it because they think I might be wrong. They perform an even better experiment than I did and they find out, hey, this experiment matches. Oh my gosh, we're onto something here. And out of this rises a new emergent truth. It does it better than anything else we have 
ever come up with as human beings. This is science. It's not something to toy with. It's not something to say, I choose not to believe equals MC squared. You don't have that option. When you have an established scientific emergent truth, it is true whether or not you believe in it. And the sooner you understand that, the faster we can get on with the political conversations about how to solve the problems that face us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, first hour guest, Dr. Earl Stewart, internal medicine is his specialty. As I open up again, I told you, Dr. Stewart, we're going to go in a different direction. I didn't. I wanted to take advantage of having you here again for this hour, um, letting people kind of get a feel for how much you do care about our community. But when I hear this cut from um, astrophysicist um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I hope I'm saying the name correctly, um, but when I hear this mm-hmm. cut, I, I, I definitely ha- – Love his sentiments. I'm a big follower of what he does, but I wanted to talk to someone who's, in a sense, just in the science field. And we've had, again, you on the, the conversation where we were talking about vaccines, for example, and they want to make this discussion particularly about that only. But when you hear that cut, I wanted to kind of at least peel that back with you, someone who's in the field versus, you know, people listen to me as someone who maybe reads about the field, and I love pushing STEM, but that's not my background. It is yours. And so when you hear that cut, what resonates with you, if you will? Science is science, and all that refutes it is is not. Um, you know, so the, the, the word science comes from, um, the same word in Latin for for knowledge. So um, you know, I I don't I that, that really is the only explanation that's necessary on that is it, it it is what it is, and that which is proven is proven by experimentation. You know, I was a biology major in college. Uh, the scientific method is is very sturdy. It's very strong. It's been utilized time and again. It's utilized every day in in labs, uh, research labs all across the world. Um, it gives me, as a practicing clinician, as a practicing medical doctor, the research that goes into developing the guidelines necessary to take care of the patients I take care of, not only me, but the medical community in its entirety. Um, So uh, it it is what it is. And um, he or she who does not believe in science um, doesn't believe in knowledge. So... It's, um, it's important. And so here's where I think we have to go because, again, I'm not surprised by, again, as I begin to know you, that's your take. And to a certain extent, your take is relatively simple because for you it's just based on the facts of, of in a sense, what you do in your career field. And, again, it, there's evidence to prove it. So you're like, okay, here's the evidence. It's as simple as that. The reality is that – Speaking of the skepticism to a certain extent that we talked about in the prior segment in reference to even how much we go to doctors and things of that nature, where that skepticism also plays out in 
different belief systems that end up refuting the scientific facts, if you will, but it, it plays out in a very dangerous way within society. And I would say specifically in our community, here's a conversation that, that comes up. I don't know if you even ever heard this, but sometimes for myself and some of the other truth seekers, when we're having dialogues within the community, I have a, a, a specific group that I follow who they're always pushing scientific um, um, literacy, uh, Amon Rod Squad, if you will, I'll shout them out. And so when I go to things that they put on or whatever, a lot of times when they're presenting, well, they, a lot of times they're, they're looking into evolution and things of that nature and genetics, that's some areas that they love to focus on. But a lot of times when I see them do dialogues, whether it be on social media or, in, or go to their live events, people will refute some of what they're suggesting or what they're sharing based on, you know, their research. Some people will refute and say they don't trust it, and they'll use this term and say that's the white man's science. And so it ends up mm-hmm. refuting what as when I'm looking at or listening to them as, okay, this seems to be evidence or good research or is backed up by, they'll, you know, they'll even use, you know, scientific journals or whatever, that type of thing, and it'll just get shut down as, this concept of the white man science. So I don't know, again, I don't know if you've heard uh-huh. that, but I wanted to throw it out there no. and just kind of hear yeah. your take because people, I see it happen too often, specifically <laughs> in the quote unquote conscious community, if you will. Listen, so, um, we, so there's an interesting dichotomy here within all of us. We, 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 um, we are a people living in a pluralistic society, but we often have to negotiate as a people living in a world that has not for a long time been run by us. And um, and we have, and I want to say this very correctly, and I'm, and I'm okay. not one who is often politically correct, I believe in telling the truth. Um, and, and just so you know, so, we, so, we, we, we digest political correctness here, but I definitely uh, you know, respect yeah. that. But go ahead and start it out there. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you about me. So I, 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 I am a Christian. I came from a Christian household. I still am a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I'm very involved in my church. Creationism is number one for me. However, when I went to college and I – you know, I majored in biology, and I, you know, did my pre-medical studies. You know, they taught about Darwinism. They taught about evolution and the Big Bang Theory. And even in high school, even in middle school, you see all of that stuff. Uh, Darwin's, uh, it's his birds and perches and uh, his, his finches and all this kind of stuff and you know and you learn about his, his beagles, his ship and all that kind of stuff I do believe that a lot of that stuff is theoretical it's just a lot of theory for me number one as a physician who happens to look at the practice of medicine as his ministry creationism has always been number one for me that's just me that's just me now. Does that bias me as to how I approach my practice of medicine? Absolutely not, because it does not it does not 
influence how I look at any patient. It does not change. I, I, I'm not biased in terms of how I approach any of my patients. I have black patients. I have white patients. I have Indian patients. I have uh, Southeast Asian patients. So I have patients from all over, all different ethnicities and all different backgrounds and nationalities. I treat them all the same, and they all respect and trust me. And I do understand what is being said. I don't know about that specific group you mentioned. I've never heard of them. You're the first person to introduce me to them. I do understand. I can understand how some people can interpret that coming from the perspective of our people as being white and science because I don't believe my people came from and originated from apes. Um, I have seen some of the racist dialogue. I have read some of the racist dialogue that has infuriated me when uh, some some uh, lady tweeted once about our beautiful first former first lady Michelle Obama calling her an ape in heels. Some lady out of West Virginia put that on. That infuriated right. me. And I feel like when that kind of stuff is said, it has its roots in Darwinism. It does. Um, it has its roots. In yeah, and I couldn't disagree with that. Let me let me ask you people. this real quick, if you will. No, I, yeah, yeah, I definitely couldn't. I definitely would. Yeah, I would concede to that in specific. And again, and 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 what I guess, what I what I will tell you what I see as white man science. I'm not talking about just evolution itself. You know, I just say okay. those are some of the topics that they choose to talk about. I see it mm-hmm. happen, even with what is just simply scientific information. Like I see it applied to something like, let's just go back to vaccinations for example. Again, I didn't want to turn the show completely about it, but if you were, if you can even recall the dialogue we had on this show where, you know, there are people who are adamant, you know, the quote unquote anti-vaxxers is how they're often termed. Right. So the anti-vaxxers, for example, are, you know, they have a full out movement where we're starting to see unfortunate real results of people, you know, getting less vaccination and we're seeing these breakouts that are pretty much in previous yeah. they're almost eradicated yeah. from this country. So we're seeing real life results of this anti information. And I'm saying that yeah. that not so much just evolution, but I'm saying when they're presenting stuff, I watch people apply what's just science. They're calling that oh. itself white man science. Like I'm talking about even the concept of vaccinations and why they're done, you know, for those that have the that, you know, think these are happening oh, with some yeah. type of nefarious yeah. action, I yeah. see this thought get applied to all types of science. I'm talking about the very thing that yeah, I, in my opinion, yeah. Neil deGrasse was talking about the the disbelief of in our community sometimes it gets reduced to that's white man science. Yeah. It doesn't apply based yeah. on these beliefs I have, whether they're African holistic beliefs or, you know what I mean? Like the people mm-hmm. are applying them over the scientific evidence. It's kind of where I was going. Yeah. I think you have to be very careful about, about, about doing that, about applying. Um, nothing is 99 nothing is hundred percent effective. Um, a lot of times nothing's 99% effective, but you cannot right. really, effectively say that, um, you know, if, if if we vaccinated people against uh, smallpox and smallpox went away, that's a good thing. Um, everybody should be clapping and having a fanfare about that and saying, yeah, 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 you know, that's good. That's good. And, and people live. So that's good. Um, so I don't see, 
you know, all, 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 I, w- I will not necessarily say that all science is good science. There's some negative stuff that comes from science. Everything is not going to be 100% positive peaches and cream every day. But I think um, we have some negative results from research studies, stuff that we don't. A lot of times, someone like myself who has conducted uh, non-bench-based clinical research, um, there are a lot of surprises. You know, I'm not primarily a researcher, but I've I've had to do it as a part of my my training. Um, There's a lot of surprises and stuff that just, you know, comes out. that we just are, don't expect, and that's that's what happens when you apply the scientific method to uh, to to various things. So, um, and and that's the beauty of it, because you take a hypothesis, you test it, you design a study to test it, and then you uh, do your statistical analysis, and then you just it works. It works. That works. That we know works, but when people basically take the results from that and say, "Well, all of this that comes from this is bad," I think I think it's dangerous because um, they have to consider the fact that a lot of science is in everything from the clothes that you wear, from um, the medical treatment that you receive, from the types of, from the from the food that you eat. Um, from the from, from everything, from the air that you breathe, from the types of cars that you drive, all science and research goes is why they exist. And of course, yeah, it's why they exist. So if you don't believe, if you don't believe in any, any kind of science, you know why exist? Why exist in the world? Why 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 go to a doctor if you don't believe? Why go to why buy why wear clothes? You know, well, some people um, are starting why? to do that, Dr. Stewart. Some people are starting to do that. They're, some people, again, are, some people are starting to yeah, do Yeah, they're that. starting what to do what you just said. They're, starting, they're not going to a doctor. They're, for example, they're they going to people who studied his, like a bunch of information as the now expert over you that had to probably do eight years of specific study just to be able to practice what you practice, like hardcore specific study, people are choosing non-doctors as their providers for these health conditions. So that is happening. I think that's dangerous, yeah. And I know people do that. I think that's dangerous, though. And and, 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 and as someone – Everybody feels like to some degree they have the ability to doctor on themselves. No, we all do. We all have some, you know, everybody says there's no better doctor than Dr. Mom. You know, I still call my mom up if I get a little tickle in my throat and I ask her a question, what would you take for this? You know, but when it comes to something more serious, like if somebody has a heart attack, you cannot manage a heart attack at home. You cannot manage COPD at home. You cannot manage these very serious medical conditions at home. We have trained to do that. And if anybody has been, and I and, and I offer this apology for my for my profession. If anybody on this podcast, anybody on this podcast has been hurt, um, any truth seeker on this podcast has a family member that's been hurt and damaged specifically by the medical community. Uh, by a physician, if you have been disparaged, I apologize for that physician on behalf of the medical community because 
that should not have happened because we swear and we swear an oath when we graduate medical school to first do no harm. We take a Hippocratic oath to do no harm and to put the patient first. Now there are some doctors who sometimes lose their way along the way and they start chasing money. Let me tell you one thing. There is there are a lot of things that you can do where you can make a million dollars in your first year other than medicine. The fact of the matter is most of us getting out of medical school today probably have a graduate with $180,000 of debt. So many of us doing this today are doing this because there's altruism in our heart that we do this because we love to do it. It's a passion. And, and we are innately scientists who want to help people. We want to help people live better. We want to help people do better. That's why I do it. That's why I do it every day. That's what drives me. That's what gets me out of my bed. But I'm not everybody. There are some people I know who are still in the profession, unfortunately, who who do who have lost their way and who get blindsided by chasing money. It happens. But but innately, a lot a lot of doctors today who are going into it, and a lot of doctors who taught me and who I look up to. Do it because it is their salve. It is their, it is their ministry, and they look at it as a ministry. We all make a good living. True. We all, we all. There's different sizes of houses. Some people have one BMW. Some people have three, two or three. We all live well. We feel like we deserve it. Everybody deserves a good life. But but the fact of the matter is, to be honest. The patient comes first with the vast majority of us. So I apologize if anybody has been hurt. But I do not want anybody on this podcast to ever feel like they can't ever go in to get any kind of medical treatment. If, if, nobody should sit at home if they're having chest pain. Nobody should sit at home if they can't breathe. Um, regarding the vaccination issue, that's going to always be an issue in certain populations of people who just feel as if they're going to be harmed. I deal with that every day, even in grown folk. Um, one of the things that I just tell people is that there are the vaccinations, just like I said on the podcast when we last, uh, when I was, when you last invited, and when you first and last invited me on, is that the vaccinations have evolved from when we first started vaccinating mm-hmm. people. There are, there are, we're several generations removed from the flu vaccination. I still have people who are afraid of it. You have people who want to know what it's going to do to them. That's only natural. There's a, a natural mm-hmm. apprehension to getting anything injected in your body. But it takes education. It takes alleviation of any concerns. And so, um, but the fact of the matter is these vaccines work. Um, not every year are they equally effective, but they work to basically prevent people from getting the diseases that they're trying to prevent. We know that. That's been studied. That's been proven. And that's not white people science. That's, that's <laughs> science in general. And, that, and there are black doctors who are doing these studies as well, just like there are white doctors and Asian doctors and a variety of other doctors. So I don't want people to think that, you know, uh, uh, I, I certainly don't get up every day with the supposition. I personally don't. I know a lot of my friends and other, other black doctors like me don't get up every day with the supposition that we're trying to, we're going to do something today to try to hurt somebody. No, our best, our, our desire is to help people because we innately, 
love our patients. We do. We do. And, um, right. and let me, let me speak to, to this real quick. That. Yeah, let me speak mm-hmm. to this real quick and how a lot of what we've been talking about goes hand in hand. Again, pushing for representation, getting more representation also ensures that there is a consciousness of our culture to ensure that we are protected um, because, again, you know, what happens is if you distrust and disbelieve the field, then it is human nature to to latch on to any negativity that comes out of it. You know, for example, when you were talking about nothing's 100%. And so if you disbelieve and, you know, like you said, y'all discover things through your scientific research that in fact surprise you or not, you know, what we previously thought, then somebody who disbelieves or distrusts will say, oh, there's proof that science not, you know, science is not right. And so they'll kind of hold on to their belief. Whereas what they'll miss in this conversation that we've been having, Dr. Um, um, Tyson DeGrasse, um, the, the, Tyson, Neil, 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 said, Neil DeGrasse Tyson, yeah, 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 yep, yeah. you've said it, and this is part of when you said the when you said the beauty, and I, what I love to try to share with people when I'm having this dialogue is just simply this: science loves to correct itself. And it's if you yes. understand that, then you understand the purity in the, the science itself. You know, can it can mm-hmm. can a, can research start out with a bad premise? We definitely know of the, especially in this country, the the bad science of. Um, you know, when it comes to race relations, right, all of that. But, it, you know, all of that, when you go look at that history, if you're willing to look at the real history, you find out they're starting from a bad premise. So anything thereafter is going to be faulty in that sense. But distrusting the scientific method, which I love to say, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I, research tells me that originated with our people. And so – if you know, I'm talking about just mm-hmm. the beginning and understanding of the methodology that is pretty much still used and somewhat improved on today. But the basics of the scientific scientific method is something we originated, and to now be at a point where we're fearful of that field for for those that are not everybody, but for those who are, it ends up in my eyes being very backwards when we originated the first concept of, you know. Mm-hmm. Of discovery, and, and what does this mean, yeah. and how, and what can, how can it affect our daily lives? We started that process. We were the originators, so to see us being getting in the field, at least in this country, being last to the field is a disservice to our ancestors, in my personal opinion. We only got a few minutes left, but I wanted to throw that out mm-hmm. uh, before we let you go. Um, you've been excellent. Um, Dr. Stewart, but yeah, if you want to speak to that, we got a couple of minutes before we let you go. Next hour, we're going to be bringing on Aaron Murray. So I'm looking forward to talking to that king mm-hmm. for the for the next hour of conversation with smart people. Thank you, thank you again, thank you again, uh, Dr. Stewart. My, my pleasure, brother. Listen, I just tell everybody, uh, I, I I don't trust I don't trust anything that I see at first face. I always delve deeper into it, read it myself, and try to get at the facts myself. So you really can't trust things yourself. Innate to the scientific method is that uh, I, I, I would encourage the truth seekers here, the listeners, the, 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 the audience, to the congregation, if you will, to not mm-hmm. hate the method because the method is a good one. If, yes. if, 
if a study is it produces results that um, are kind of odd and really don't make sense based on what you're reading and how the study was conducted, you know, people are going to question that. People are going to write about it. People are like doctors mm-hmm. and, and researchers are going to say, hmm, something here doesn't look right based on what you guys did. That's innate. That's critical analysis. That's what we learn to do. We we basically go in and we, with a red pen and with a plenty of red ink, go in and we take a colleague's work and we just like, well, I mark it up. And we say, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. This wasn't right. Did you mm-hmm. do this right? Did you do this? Did the right type of critical analysis. That's what you're supposed to do. But to basically say all science, I I don't agree with or I'm not going to listen to, I think you're setting yourself up for a life of disaster Um, because science is everywhere. Science is everything. Science is life. Um, When you have kind of with a high level of resoluteness said that I'm just not going to listen to any kind of science and you can't listen to anything or anybody and probably can't even listen to yourself because you know, <laughs> nah, just, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know if people take it to those extremes to the where there's no science but just um, complete doubt of the methodology which again as you said it corrects itself and there is no white man science because all cultures around the world are checking one another. And so these types exactly. of things, again, it doesn't make science perfect, as you're saying, but to understand that the process itself is helpful to our helpful to us. And when we see something, like you said, that if we rid the world of smallpox, we should see that as a good thing. But to fight against that yep. is a lot of scientific illiteracy that still exists. And I'm glad to have you on. Thank you so much, King. We're going to go to Likewise. the next Thank hour. You. We definitely look forward to having you on again in the future. Thank you very much, Dr. Stewart. My pleasure. Have a good day. All right. We'll be right back with Aaron Murray. For, uh, Aaron, I'm sorry, Aaron Mallory. Um, for our next hour, we're going to play a little cut from our sponsors, Square Beers Entertainment. We'll be right back with Aaron, Ma- Aaron Mallory I'm sorry, um, after the break. All I ask is that you think. Stop blaming men for getting your ass pregnant. If you don't have a ring, because if you got married, if you got engaged, at least the man made a commitment. All right? That man was serious. Things happen. Things change. I'm divorced. So I'm not saying divorce uh, or marriage is the end-all, be-all. All I'm saying is... So all the words, all the... Actions that he didn't even pretend he was going to commit to That's you. all I'm saying. He didn't put a ring on it. And he's nothing all in you. That's your dumbass. Make sure the dude keeps the condom on instead of letting him take it off because you like him or because you think the sex is good until he at least, please, 
buys you a ring, gets on one knee, and says, would you marry me? Now, he still can run out. Right, right, right. But at least he protects. He's he's giving he's taking an effort to go spend a grand, two, three, four on a ring and puts it on your finger. He said again. If he can't afford a ring, he can't can't afford a baby. baby. Welcome back to the Venture Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people as we are featuring Aaron Mallory. Lifestyle coach you just heard on that cut from his podcast. I think it's called Mr. Let Go, if you will. Aaron, you can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but thank you, King, for being on with the Truth Seekers this morning. If you will, say hello to all the Truth Seekers and give people a little bit of your background, because I definitely want to get directly into that cut. I think it's very appropriate for our hour together, if you will, King, but thanks again for being with us. All right. I, I really appreciate you having me. And, um, yeah, um, overall, I see this as a huge issue in our community, and I'm just one of the men. Let me let me, let me start you right here real quick, if you will, if you will, real quick. Just share with them, you know, what you got going. Like, what 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 did we hear that from? Was it the podcast? Like, just give a little background, then let's jump right into it, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Let them know who you who who they talking to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, my name is Aaron Mallory. Um, I'm known as Mr. Let Go, uh, Mr. Underscore Let Go on Instagram, and I actually, I don't, I'm not a relationship coach, because overall, I think relationship is actually our problem, so I'm a relationship with yourself coach. Mm -hmm. See, me in particular, I don't care if you find somebody or not, I'm not on, I don't do what I do in order to help people find someone. I don't care about that. I'm here to help you find yourself. So I see so many people, they don't like themselves. They hate themselves. There's a certain amount of self-hate that goes on from, and it comes from the upbringing. And they get to the point where they keep soul time with different people in order to run from being alone. And that is why I'm here to do what I do. And I have a podcast that is called the Let It Go Podcast, and uh, we really get deep into a lot of different uh, inside interrelationship situations, and not just boyfriend girlfriends. The relationship with your parents, the relationship with your kids, the relationship with your friends, as well as relationship with uh, you know the opposite sex. All right, now I love it. It makes sense. Again, I definitely wanted people to understand exactly who they're speaking with as we even get into that subject. Because what I think I hear you saying, and I and I when I looked you up and I was referred to uh, by a good friend, um, Andre Hatchet, uh, which, Andre. Uh, we mutual we found out we we're you know mutual friends, we, you know mutual friends. But Brother Dre's always looking out. Uh, for for the community and in, in general, and he said you got to get this guy on on your show. And so when I'm looking you up and see that you, as you said, you specifically are a self, you know, relationship with yourself expert. That is definitely unique because you hear a lot of people out here, you know, doing different types of coaching. And I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because ultimately that's how you end up being your better self. But I also understand that even in you being that type of expert. Why? Why it gets into 
relationship conversations because a lot of people are, you, you know, I'm pretty sure coming to you to say, okay, well, if I'm going to be better for myself, then hopefully, the tr- you know, they they themselves, as you say, you're not concerned about whether they want to be with somebody or not. You want them to be their, their best self. But most of us, myself included, we are trying to figure out how do we attract what, you know, a relationship that makes sense. So I see how, uh-huh. even though that's what you do, how you end up talking about these very important issues, as you say, but they literally are often mirror checks. And so obviously we started with mm-hmm. one of your recent cuts that I took off your page, and let's jump into that. When you, you know, because what you said made a lot of sense to me. Because just to share with you this real quick, I have a hashtag I love pushing saying marriage before children. So you can only imagine mm-hmm. that that's a hashtag that one I believe in. How much that cut just, you know, resonated for me to see you saying that, obviously, in your own way. So, yeah, if you will, jump into the cut, and let's dialogue. I might even open up the phone lines because, um, you know, we may, that may be necessary for this discussion. But go ahead, King. Okay. So um, in this particular video, uh, we, we're talking about um, getting a ring. Like, if he can't afford a ring, he can't afford a baby. And, and a lot of different things that I see just in our community, <clears throat> it will go like this. Um, a young girl isn't necessarily loved the way she wants to be loved, whether it's her family, whether, you know, um, she, she has different insecurities growing up. And a lot of times she may just be out here looking for love, and she'll get with a guy for the sake of love, and then he'll treat her wrong. And then she'll get up with another guy, and he'll treat her wrong. And then she'll get to the point where, okay, even these guys outside of my household and my environment don't love Huh. But I have the ability to make a baby. How about I create somebody to love me? I know if I have a baby, my baby, especially if it's a boy, will love me unconditionally. And I'll finally be happy. But the problem with that is, of course, that's a huge problem. But the problem that she doesn't see happening is once she makes a child with a man, she has the same love for that man. But in some cases, and I'm not putting all of the bearing or all of the issues on the woman, but when you allow a man to have sex with you without protection, you can easily put yourself in a harmful situation for your baby. You know, I know some women just really want somebody to love, but I don't think they think about what their baby or what their child is going to have to grow up and deal with. I'm the um, son uh, of of a single parent, and I just think this single parenthood has gotten to a point where it's just bubbling over and you got water all over the floor. And we have to stop this. Somebody has to say something to women about this because women are the gatekeepers. There's some trashy men out here. But at the same time, women are choosing the trashy men to have children with. And the dudes in some situations are like, yo, I don't want a relationship. But they're stupidly have sex with a woman without a condom and get her pregnant. So some guys are idiots, but at the same time, the women are choosing these type of guys. They say, you know, the child grows up with no father for the millionth time. 
strong strong comments. And so here's where I would try, in a sense, help people, at least in my opinion, help people understand how even what you're saying is still on its own men from this standpoint. And I feel like I heard it at the end of the cut because I think it was, the, if I recall, it was the lady on the on your podcast that said the last thing of the concept of if he can't afford a ring, he can't afford a baby. Yeah, and so baby. what what often gets missed when you are, as you say, saying, hey, ladies, y'all are the gatekeepers. And I know in today's environment that it sounds like Aaron is pointing the finger and some right. and that type of thing, but ultimately, a lot of us as men, we despise other men who are not going to take care of their children. I think that is a very fair statement. For I don't have men in my circle who don't take care of their children. Like that's we know regardless of the situation, some are married, some are not. But there is never a concern about their willingness or ability to, in a sense, take care of their children. And so I'm going I'm going this route to explain that while someone may hear you saying some women are some women are choosing the type of men who are not like the men that we that we like to circle ourselves around. And that, that ends up you're saying it one, kinda as a fact. Two, not understanding that our complete acknowledgement of those trashy men, as you refer to them, is is us holding some level of accountability because people hear this conversation as if the complete onus is on the woman. And what we're trying to say is when a guy makes it clear, we want you as 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 your fellow brother, as your fellow, you know, kings and queens doing this together, we want you to run from a brother we if we could if we if we could wave a wand and say cut this man out, we would, but since we're not there and that's your own interaction, we're saying run from the men we wouldn't include in our circle. Is that fair? Because I because I think it if when 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 they hear us as men talk to the women they want us to talk to the men, and I think we got to do that in the hour. But I'm just trying to circle it around and explain what what they're hearing when you hear it put it this certain way. We do want you away from the trashy men. Like, I want people to understand that even when we're saying you as the woman or the gatekeeper, because we're usually not there in that gatekeeper moment is what I'm what – I, what I, what right. it's kind of my point, if you will. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. All right, so the way I look at it, and you got to understand, like I have a seventy-five percent uh, female following on uh, on Instagram, so I, I get yeah, a and lot on, of. And on, on Minute Dialogue, we like to say, you know, we call them women. We don't call, we, we we refrain from the female term. Just to throw it out there, I'm gonna challenge you with that. If it slips, no big deal. But oh I no, I, I agree with that. Agree with that. But yeah, remember, yeah. I said a female following. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's so fair. It's a difference between. I'm talking to a woman as a female because I'm yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Like you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was a female following, so that was from a demographic standpoint. So uh, overall, I get hundreds of women on a normal basis. Why don't you help these men? Why don't you help these men? Men are the ones who are doing this to us, and that is the biggest issue right there because. I want you to think about this. I want to just give you an analogy so so everybody can uh, just 
picture something in their heads instead of just, you know, go back and forth with the words. Now, it makes like sense. Let me cut you off real quick. I didn't get a chance to tell you yeah. this, but let me um, go to a quick commercial, and then you come back with the analogy after the commercial, if you will. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. We'll be right back with Aaron Mallory for our second hour of Conversation with Smart People. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situations like bullying, and child abductions, for only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus, all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call him, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people Aaron Mallory, if you will, King, you were going with the analogy before the break. If you will, you can pick that right back up. Thanks a lot for being with us, King. All right, so this will take some of the, the, the blame out of a relationship because I don't necessarily believe in blame because when you blame, you take accountability away from everything, and all you do is sit here and say, okay, it's that person's fault. It's not about fault. It's about understanding. So here's the analogy. Imagine um, you wanted to repaint one of your rooms, right? So you actually just repaint the room, and then the room smells of paint, right? So you open the window, and you leave out the house, and you come back three, four hours later, right? And you have flies, gnats, and mosquitoes all over your house. And you go into the room and you realize there were no there was no screen in the window. But you knew there was no screen in the window because you're the one that opened the window. You, you you were conscious that there was no screen in the window. Do you blame the bugs for coming into your house? Is the blame, which I try to go away from. Or do you sit here and look at the fact that, you know what, I can't blame bugs. They're flying around my house. They were outside already 
looking to come in my house. I'm the one that left the window open for them to come in. It's not their, it's not, I can't blame them. They were looking to come in all the time. They couldn't come in because the window was closed. I opened my house to the bugs. I opened my house to the, 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 the terrible men. I opened my house to the, 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 the terrible women or whoever is in my life now that I'm using as a proverbial house. When you yeah, cause I was trying to figure it out, Aaron. I thought for a second that you was calling black men gnats and flies. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm messing with you, Kenny. Don't take that yeah, serious. I'm messing with you. Now you're making it real clear. I'm just jumping in and messing with you. Go ahead, Kenny. Yeah. In this thought process, I want you to think about this, though. Because you do have natural mm-hmm. flies, right? And then you have butterflies and bees. Now, mm-hmm. usually, in this situation, if you're on the second floor and you leave your window open, you're barely ever going to see a bumblebee. Flying around your house, you're barely ever going to see a butterfly flying around the house. And these are the prettier insects, right, versus the nastier, uglier insects. Do you know why this is? The reason why is because those insects are busy working. They're busy pollinating. Hence the reason for how pretty and bright they are. The dark Insects are flying around your house Because they have nothing else to do And if you look at it like that There are two types of men And the bees Well bumblebees And the the butterflies You actually have to Go out to where they are So in other words As a woman When you open yourself up And you're hurt and you're damaged, usually the ones you attract as far as men are usually the dark men, are usually the nasty men, are usually the men that don't have anything else to do but to sit there at your window waiting to come in. But the real the men, and flies. the men that are actually, <laughs> yeah, the gnats and the flies, but, but the colorful it. men, the, the busy men, the men who have stuff to do, like pollinate and add value to the rest of the world, they're not coming into your life. You have to be out there in the world with them. And a lot of women, they spend a lot of time at home and just work home, work home, work home. Then they get with a guy and they're happy. Oh, I'm fine in a relationship. That man came to you. There's a good chance that he's a gnat, a wasp, or a fly. And now you turn uh, around. Roaches. Oh my God! He's, he's, he's I'm gonna there. add roaches in there too, King. I'm gonna add roaches in there too. <laughs> add roaches. They're all dark insects. You feel me? Nah, this is a great analogy. And I think now, and to be fair, and tell me how you think us as African American men specifically, how we play out that same analogy because you did say that at one point. Like you know what I mean? It, it goes both ways. So. How do you apply that again, just to hear it from your perspective, for 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 men that are in a sense spending time with gnats and flies as well, who some of us get you know get um, hurt, and to the extent that 
we become hurtful due to dealing with gnats and flies ourselves. So, so using this analogy, how would you apply it to, to men that have become hurt due to dealing with too many gnats and flies, if you will? Well, yeah, your, um, your environment can easily, you are your environment. So if you stay in a, a particular environment for too long, you can easily become your environment. And if your environment is full of gnats and flies, you can find yourself as a gnat or a fly. And can I give you one more analogy that has a lot to do with this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got we got four. Oh, okay, you do it how you do it, man. I, I, again, right. I, I love this analogy. Yeah, you, we got to see if you, see if, see if the next analogy holds up. The first one I think held up pretty well. Okay, <laughs> this is the reason why I call myself Mr. Let Go. I teach people how to let go of what is no longer serving them, and I, the key word is no longer serving them. Now you say guys who hang with gnats and flies, right? All right. Sometimes your homeboy that grew up with you, or women, your homegirl that you grew up with, right? Some of us, those are our only friends, and we're like fully grown people. We're like 35, 40, and we still have the same friends from way back then. But we know, we're conscious that our friend is a gnat or a fly or a walk. And we are looking to be butterflies or bumblebees and just, you know, just add value to the world, right? So this is how it works, and this is where we just lose the consciousness of ourselves and what we actually want. So say we're both caterpillars, right, when we were younger guys, right? We're out here, we're both doing trashy things, we're out here doing our thing, whatever. Next thing you know, I go in my cocoon, and I come out as this beautiful butterfly, right? And my friend, he goes in his cocoon, he looks just like me. He is me, almost. We come from the same cloth. But he comes out mm-hmm. as a moth. And all of a sudden, you have a butterfly trying to hang around a moth. So the butterfly is, is trying to hang out before the sun goes down, like right at 6, 7 o'clock when the moth uh-huh. first wakes up. Like, yo, yo, let's do this. Just, you know what I'm saying? But, but the butterfly <laughs> has a different purpose. But the, and the moth has a different purpose. But since y'all are friends, right. you, he's your best friend, y'all, y'all did all this dirt together, you get to a point where you stay away from your purpose and you start hanging around at night, hanging around lights and, and flames, and you don't even know who you are anymore. And, and, the, and the dirt and the, and the smut that comes from the flames and, 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 and the, in the nighttime mm-hmm. It starts to fall on your wings, and now because you ain't built to handle that, you ain't built to handle that. Yeah, you that ain't your purpose. Your wings aren't your your wings aren't as thick as a moth wing, so you you can't deal with all this dirt and smut and all all this stuff that is going on in this nightlife that that this moth is dealing with. And now you look just like a moth, but guess what? You can't even fly anymore because your wings aren't built for what a moth wing. Are built for it, and you're not nocturnal. Right. You can't survive till so you get to a point where you don't even know what's wrong with you, but it's your environment that you won't let go of that's the problem. You're not built for that old environment. You came out as a butterfly. You have to go for fit. You don't see butterflies hanging with other butterflies. They ain't got time for that. Nah, 
Nah, great analogy. Another one that I think holds up very well is probably why my brother Dre recommended, you know, hey, let me get this brother on the show, man. He, he has a perspective, and I love perspective. That's what we <laughs> do if, if you understand the name Mental Dialogue. At Mental Dialogue, yeah. what we push people to do, and, and, you know, it's kind of cool to find out that you're in Atlanta too, so hopefully we can get you out to one of our events soon enough. Um, but oh, with yes, that sir. said, what we just to kind of even, yeah, even to share what our purpose is with this podcast per se is we call our listeners truth seekers for those who are seeking that information that can serve their lives, and I think you're giving us some of that right now. But ultimately what we end up trying to do in most cases is just expose people to perspectives and and, and, yes. and ultimately to try to get people used to hearing perspectives that are different than their own because we definitely are in a yeah. world now where we actually, using your term, we kind of cocoon ourselves with people who think like us, who are, you know, are similar. And if you're in a good circle, that can get you so far. Like you could be in a pretty dope circle of people, right, that, that is helping advance you. Even that's dope as, as well. But if you never expose yourself to uh, perspectives that are different than even your even decent circle of people, right, even if you if you never expose yourself to different opinions, then there's a lack of growth in that. And so ultimately, that's what we specialize in. We specialize in having these hard-to-have dialogues, you know, from a truth and honest perspective, truth meaning even, even in the sense of your relative truth can be different than mine, but let's have it raw and uncut. Let's not run from one another once we hear a perspective that is different than our own. Uh, with that said, I am going to throw out the phone number uh, for the conversation with smart people. We typically just run the hour real hard with our guests, but again, I just think because of what you do, people may want to get in on some of this conversation. So the number to get in for this morning's discussion is six, yeah, six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You will need to press one to let us know you want to speak. I definitely see a couple of callers out there that are, may just be listening, but if you want to get in with myself and Aaron Valerie uh, from the Let It Go podcast, please call in and hit the number one. With that said, we are going to go to another break, and we'll be right back with this King, Aaron Mallory. Glad to have you, King. We'll be right back with this for this morning's conversation with smart people. All I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. If you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love Can't Define This. Love Can't Define This. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define us. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, Aaron Mallory, the podcast 
Let It Go is what he specializes in. We open the top of the hour with a cut. I want to kind of run right back to this point where one of your uh, guests or co-hosts made the point of if a man can't afford a wedding ring, he can't afford a baby. And so I wanted to jump right on that particular part because I wanted to hear, in a sense, how do you see uh, someone who – is in that situation. Some people may, in a sense, be offended by the fact that you say that. If, you know, for example, if if there's a a man out there who who can't afford a, a, a wedding ring per se, they may be offended by that point. What do you say uh, to that man in reference to having relations, trying to have relationship with some of our queens out here? Okay, so the wedding ring, to a certain extent, is a prover- is a proverbial thing. It's not just about going and purchasing a piece of metal to put on a woman's hand. It's about a planning. It's the thought process on asking a woman to marry him. It's the thought process of getting down on one knee. It's the thought process of the commitment. It's the thought process of, yo, I got to save up my checks in order to do this because this will give me a, a, a good understanding of what I'm going to have to do for our, not my, our baby or our future baby. I'm going to have to save my money. I can't go out here doing frivolous things because our baby is going to cost a lot of money. So the ring is literally just a beginning of a new thought process mm-hmm. to say, okay, I got to save up $2,000. I'm not used to saving up $2,000. I'm used to blowing my money. I'm used to doing this, doing that. This is a precursor to raising a child, you know, because it's not just about money. It's about getting out of work early. It's about turning out overtime because I got to pick my daughter up. It's about what if uh, my daughter uh, uh, has some issues and I got to pay some hospital bills. What if my daughter, uh, uh, you know, needs more clothes than I expected, or is a boy and he needs, he wants different clothes like Jordans or whatever because he's getting picked on at school because you're sending the school with cheap clothes. This is bigger than just a ring. You have to be able to afford a, a, a man, afford a woman, because these children are going to grow into men and women, and they're going to they want to need you for more than 18 years. Because once they hit 18, if they want to go to college, hopefully, you have to pay for that too. So being a, being able to afford a ring, it's, it's the right of passage to a child. Because if you can't afford a $2,000 ring or $1,000 ring, how do you think you're going to even afford pampers, let alone college? Strong, strong points. Again, as I told you at the very beginning, marriage before children is a hashtag that I love to push. And I think you gave very specifics to, as you said, somewhat of a starting point. Because as you said, it's not about the ring itself. You know, there's all types of, you know, like even the fact of why we wear diamond rings. Like you can get into that history and despise it, and I don't. And and I think it would be fair to despise it when you think of why we wear Diamond, especially diamond rings, in specific, you know, in particular. So, so the why we do it and the history of it. And for those that want to disparage it for those ways, I would give you that. But I would not 
give you that what this king just laid out should not be a prerequisite for us as men and definitely for women that are attracting gnats and flies. <laughs> 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 because, as you said, is a, is a prerequisite to how does this person think. And so yeah. don't deal with the – I'm going to keep using this analogy because it's so beautiful. So don't deal with the gnats and flies that are waiting outside of your window screen that you should have up, right, that are waiting outside of your screen. Don't get lonely enough to open the screen so that they can come in. And, 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 and you know, again, if that's what you, in a sense, choose to do, there's accountability and consequences that, that I think you're saying people have to accept when that is done, or ultimately, if you choose to enter and deal with that, understand that if there's a baby, and I think what you're saying, and I wholeheartedly support this, there should not be a baby coming out of a situation in which a man has not set himself up to take care of his children. And ultimately, I like the analogy because, again, I push marriage before children. And when I say I push it, I am also conceptualizing all the things that you're talking about because the hashtag itself alone looks very short-sighted. I get it. It's a hashtag. Hashtag does not have context. And that's exactly what you're saying when you say the ring is proverbial. It's not about the ring itself. My hash, the hashtag right. is not about the hashtag itself. The re, what happens is I have people quite often attack when I let, put this hashtag up from time to time or I make points about it. People quite often attack just the marriage aspect. And I say, I have, a, I have the four children attached to it for a reason. They have it for, for the reason that if you were to live by this hashtag, it also requires that I consider what kind of mother is this woman going to be to my children before I have a child with her. Like like just even right. taking that step would be an advantage over what get, what is getting done for in a lot of cases. It's not that everybody's out there carelessly having children, and some people are very poignant about having a child on their own. So it's not even about you if you have the plan, you put it together, and you make it a work. But unfortunately, when you say this, this this concept of single parenthood is overflowing, we have to be honest about a great portion of us have come on this earth to a certain extent as an accident, and then our children, and then our parents have done the best they could to love us after we've got here. They've loved us with all their heart. They've put us before themselves, even to the detriment of themselves, that ends up being to the detriment of you. So there's all type of things that cyclically fall from not following an ethic such as what you said. If you can't afford a ring, can't afford a baby. If, or following marriage before children, making it a priority. I'm not telling you how to live your life daily. I am asking you to be very diligent in the consideration of how you bring in the next generation. Plan, planning, planning gives your your seeds the best opportunity to grow into the men and women that, as you said, you don't stop fathering or mothering them at 18. That is not a reality. But it is for gnats and flies who just got stuck with a child support obligation because that was never part of their plan. 
So why are we having right. children with men and women who think that way? Because that 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 thought process permeates men and women. It's a reality, and so people disparage or get upset with someone like yourself. I w- I'm pretty sure you experience this too, where people are kind of mad when you're putting it out there, even though you're speaking what I would consider is facts. Any, do you get that backlash right. at all, Aaron? Because I know I do with marriage before children quite often, or they'll look at my life and say, well, you don't even have that, so how are you pushing it? Because I'm single, but I'm very diligent about right. why I have not have, had children, because I I should have my stuff in place, but since I don't, I'm not bringing children. That's kind of how I do it. I'll own my part in this, if you will. Go ahead, King. And I want to give you a thought process on the gnat and fly thing. Usually a fly, just like a deadbeat father, a fly is looking to get on some food and get it and eat, but at the same time to drop its seed in the food and leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, all right. That's All right, baby, you got your food, you got what you need, you're sitting on this pork chop, All right, have a good life, I'm out of here. And this is what a lot of women are doing. You know, a guy should get with a, a gnat or a fly, let him enter, you know, because here's the thing, like I said, there's so many women who don't go out, they don't do anything. So the only thing they can do is open their window to who's on the other side of the window, because she's always at home. So next thing you know, she invites this this guy who just won't let go, won't leave her alone, might be an ex or whatever, might be a new guy. He's just outside her window like, oh, I want to come in. She lets him in, and see, he literally does the same thing a fly does. He feeds on her, drops his seed, and says, all right, this is your way of getting food, because the woman is the steak or or, or the pork chop. This is Mm -hmm. your source of food for the rest of your life. Have a good life, and he's out. He feeds on the food and leaves the child with said food because the woman is the source of the actual food. And I'm not calling women food or pork chops or whatever, but this is what a fly type of mindset feeds on because he feeds on the woman. You know, we love sex, you know? We feed Mm -hmm. on her, drop our seeds, and leave. And then the seed comes out, hey, how do I eat? Oh, you're going to feed me? Awesome. Okay. Where's my daddy? Uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So that is that is just a, a third analogy, if we can stay with the same thing. No, I love it. It's, it's, it's so real. Let me ask you this thought real quick, um, you know, just taking this even further in, in, your, in your own experience. Mm-hmm. Like we, we just had this conversation – um, like a, I did a, a Facebook live on this conversation just a week ago, and this I want to see how, just kind of how, as I hear you giving these, um, I think these are amazing analogies. I think they speak. I think you're speaking in a sense truth to you know to life, if, if you will. As I, as I as I listen to them, if if you're out there listening and and disagree with Aaron, call in and give us your thoughts. Let's dialogue about it. We welcome we welcome that yes, on the show for anybody out there listening. Let me throw that yeah, let me throw that out there as well. But with that said, what are your thoughts? When we had this question we've asked on the show, and, and definitely a lot of people listened to it, was the concept of, you know, can a man, I mean, can a woman raise a, a boy to be a man? And I'm of the belief that in, in most cases, children need both their parents to be highly involved. And so everything that you're talking about 
leads to a situation where where we've kind of normalized that that the man the man is not necessary to a certain extent within the culture. Like I think we have to be honest about that. And so I want to hear kind of your thoughts in reference to everything you're talking about. The the in a sense these flies doing what they're doing and th- that has become so normalized that 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 these flies or these there are men who actually think women can do it because they saw their mother do it on their own with several siblings and things. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a belief within the culture, in my opinion. I want to hear your thoughts on that, Aaron. Uh, a lot of the things that we deal with and go through is, is, is so normalized, and that's the reason why me and you, we, we may get a lot of flack from women because, to be honest with you, being a single parent is normalized. Uh, men quote unquote feeding on women is normalized. You know, um I grew up and I, I used to think that was just the normal thing. You know, sleep with this girl, sleep with that girl, sleep with that girl. You know, I can't settle down. I haven't slept with enough girls. And in a way it's it's right and in a way it's wrong because it's not about sleeping with different girls. It's about being exposed to different girls. It's it's not about sex. I shouldn't be running around having sex with all these different women. Because every woman that uh, I sleep with and, and I know that I don't want her, she has to live with the fact that a guy had sex with her, but now he doesn't want her. And, and, it, and, it, and it hurts women subconsciously when she had sex with men who seemed to like her, seemed to want her in the beginning, but all of a sudden doesn't want her. And it hurts her value. It makes her feel like I'm not... I'm not, you know, worth anything. I cook, I clean, I do these things, but for some reason, all a man wants to do is just have sex with me on a normal basis and then leave. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And a lot of us as men, we barely ever tell a woman what we didn't like, what we, what, what was the issue, why we didn't choose her versus mm-hmm. somebody else. But with women, oh wow, that's a great, that's a, that's a different. Know, Perspective. Now, that's a different perspective. Let me go to this one last break, and I want to hear you break that down because I've never heard that part, like you said, where a man typically does not say. And I think I can understand why, but I think you're making a strong point of how that could could be helpful. Again, let me hear more of it after the break. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. Like 
My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or a service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly at 404-604-9477. Again, my name's Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you don't have a product or service but you love what we're doing with the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, please support us at mentaldialogue.com. Become a supporter if you're outside of Atlanta. If you're in the Atlanta area and want to take advantage of the live experience that we do every third Friday, then become a Mental Dialogue member. If you have a business, consider becoming a Mental Dialogue business supporter and get the higher level sponsorships and get commercials and things with discounts and things of that nature. So a lot comes with it. You can see all the details at mentaldialogue.com. Special guest for the second hour is Aaron Mallory, a conversation with smart people, Go ahead, King. Thank you again for being with us. But, you know, if you will, you can kind of continue where you left off, King. I've been loving this conversation so far. All right. So imagine a man in this in this just thought process. Say he's within a five-year period. He doesn't choose any one of these women. And say he slept with 30 women, right? Out of all these 30 women, or whether there are many situations shared. Say he was with one woman for like four months, one woman for uh, a year, another woman for two years, and then he started sleeping with different women for the next two years, right? <laughs> Regardless of if he was in a relationship or he was dating, on a lot of occasions, we don't tell the woman why she wasn't the one. We just pull away, leave, or cheat, you know, do something stupid, and a woman breaks up with us. So the woman leaves the man feeling like, wow, you know, she needs closure. And the reason why a woman needs closure because she needs that certainty to, like, yo, what did I do wrong? Like, why did this next relationship fail? Like, why are these relationships failing? And she never gets that understanding. See, a woman seems to want closure. But I believe it's understanding of what she did wrong, but she just is okay with closure because that may be all she feels that, you know, she can get. But she wants to know why. Why was I not the one? And a lot of times she doesn't get that from me. And these things are let me, let me going tell you, on. I think what you're saying is very uh-huh. fair. But I also think, tell me, just I just want to hear your thought on this. I think men and women experience the very thing you're talking about. And, again, I'm not saying that you're not saying that, but I just want to add to this context unless you feel different, and that's what I want to hear. That's why I'm asking, do you feel that it happens a different way for men? I I, want to kind of sneak that in. If you can jump on why you think that's different, I'm open to hearing that because I want to hear that. Okay, as a man, um, as an example, I've heard you're selfish from – so many of my relationships, and I have an understanding of what's wrong, quote, unquote, what's wrong with me, or why this doesn't work, 
because that's one of my attributes that women have verbally told me. You're you're selfish. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember like mm-hmm. uh one time I lost my job, right? And the girl I was dating, she was there for me. She was doing this and doing that. And then one time she said, Yo, why you're not since you're not working, can you take my dog to the to the to the thing? And then I said, Yeah and then she kept getting me to do it. And I was like, Yo, how do you keep having me like like I'm a I'm a Oh, I'm your, I'm your dog sitter or something? And she looks at me and says, do you, you are so freaking selfish. Do you see what I'm doing for you? And the only reason I'm asking you to take care of my dog or take my dog to the dog, you know, veterinary, because mm-hmm. you're not doing nothing. I'm trying to help you do something so you don't have to do that. But since you're not doing it, it's the least you can do. But I'm coming over here cooking for you, doing this and doing this. I'm da da da. You know, I'm helping you find a job. And I can't say, oh my God. And she dumped me. I'm like, wow. So as men, and I can only speak for myself and the guys I know, we know why okay. we're getting, not getting what we want, or the women in our lives okay. don't want us because they tell us, but we don't tell them. Oh, okay, okay, I, yeah, I wanted to see, okay, I I just want to see your perspective, yeah, 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 I, I definitely think, yeah, I mean, there are definitely some men who go, who experience it the other way, but I see what you're saying, in general, it goes mostly this way, now, that makes sense, but go ahead, yeah, now, yeah, finish what you were saying, but I wanted to hear that difference real quick, because that's how I, how I process it, go ahead, King. Yeah, 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 so, as me, I'm going through life learning from every relationship I was in, no matter whether it's whether it was bad or good, you know, I know when a woman cheated on me, I know why she cheated on me. When a woman did this, I know what she did this. Because she tells me. She shakes me and says, this is the reason why you're not making me happy. But a lot of times with men, we don't, you know, we're we're not raised to be, uh, you know, um, to emphasize, communicate, you know, uh, the things that we don't like. We just go fix it on our own. You know, if a woman isn't giving us enough sex or she's not giving us enough intimacy or she's complaining too much, we'll say it one time, yo, I don't like how you talk to me. Yo, you complain too much. And sometimes, this is on a woman also, sometimes she deflects. Well, I don't say nothing about when you do this, and then he he shuts up. Oh, you know what? Okay. I just, I told you. That's real. I verbalized what my issue was. So I'm not going to say it again. I'm just gonna go get another woman that doesn't do uh what that doesn't you do, do and I'm gonna have both of y'all and I'm gonna have a happy life. Because to a man, whether it's misogynistic or what, that is a, a man's balance sometimes. Because he may feel like for some reason, every time I have a girlfriend, she's uh insecure, she's doing this, she's doing that. But when I have a girl that I'm dating She's so laid back. She's so this. So why don't I just do both, and then I have best of both worlds? Not saying it's right, but sometimes to a man's yeah, of course. And I, well, let me jump in right there too. Let me jump. Let me let's, let's jump on. Yeah, let's jump. Let me jump in right there. Let me jump in right there because I want to. I yeah. want people to hear this clearly. When you say I'm not saying it's right, there, I, I feel like there are some people that will listen and kind of think you're being dismissive when you say that. And I, yeah. I, I like to clarify. That what's what you're t- discussing right now, it's not about right and wrong. It's about the realities of the difference between men and women that the world currently is not too good at accepting. And and it's not about like you said, it's not even that you're 
It's not even that you're encouraging the example you just gave. You just gave a real-life example of how a lot of men process. And so there are women who will hear the way that men process and say, well, that's absolutely wrong. That's what we need to change. Like, you can say that, but what you're being honest about, Aaron, is the fact that, well, this is what a lot of men are doing. That's the reality. And so where you're going forward is how to maneuver with the other gender who moves this way. If you're accepting of one another's truths, then you have an opportunity to move into a relationship for those that want to. But the world right now doesn't do a good job of accepting each other's truths, in my opinion. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. I just wanted to kind of really interject and let people know that when you're saying you're not saying it's right, you're not simply dismissing. You're really meaning that. But people will think you're just saying it for political correct reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I appreciate you uh, put you know putting that in there because uh, what I always try to do, uh, I don't tell women, oh, you need to love yourself because that's that's empty content. You, you do this. I, I hate it when people sit around and say, hey, do this. You know, and, and there's no context to it. So what I try to do is give women context on wh- what men are thinking, whether wrong or right. So I want you to think about this um, because I, 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 I want to go back to the fact that some men just don't understand what changes in a woman or in his perception of her when he actually commits to her, not as a ring, but starts a relationship, and the change, the quote-unquote change starts to happen. She becomes insecure, Mm -hmm. and, you know, things start to change versus when they were on their dates. Because what happens is uh, we all are our representatives a lot of times, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. a woman's insecurities are activated by triggers that a guy may not even know of, he may be doing something or saying something that may trigger a woman into being insecure all over again. Next thing you know, she, he, it's like you snap a person's finger, you snap a finger, and then they're a totally different person because you did something that triggered their insecurities. You know what I mean? So sometimes a guy may may look at like, you know, I'd rather just be single because these women that I'm having these small Encounters with are so laid back. They're not upset with me. They're not asking me where I am. They're not checking my phone. But it's like every time I get with a woman, her insecurity gets activated, and now I'm not necessarily happy. These are the things that need to be talked about between men and women to understand what our triggers are. Because men, we have triggers also. Yeah, let me throw this out. Now, in this particular area when it comes to insecurity, I will say I absolutely think that part is a two-way street in, 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 oh, in, in the from standpoint. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's definitely a two-way street, you know, or whatever. A lot of things insecure. that, you know, some of the things that, that have turned, you know, when we start getting into even assault and violence, that comes from a lot of insecurity for men. So I definitely think that's part of the two-way street. Another aspect of the dating part, too, is this as well. So I, and I think you're absolutely right that there are certain triggers that come with in a, in a sense, when some level of commitment has been added to the situation, what, what yeah. also happens, even for what also happens in the dating stage, or why it's so cool, really, literally for both parties, is the aspect of you feeling like I can't, I can't trip about this because I, I, we were at this point, I don't know that this is my man, I don't know that this is my woman, so you end up being cool 
So it ends up being added value for why the person likes you, and then now that they've given you yep. a commitment, you don't look at the thing that you allow, which would be good if you could still continue to be that way, but a lot of people, men and women, cannot do that when there's been some type of title added to the situation. We only got a minute to go, but King, you've been amazing. So if you will, uh, you know, make a quick point and tell people how they can listen to what you're doing or get in contact with things that you're doing or follow you on social media. Go ahead, King. Okay, just to um, finish this conversation, the reason why men, because men do this also, get a, a certain amount of insecurity activated or they start, they have a controlling side of them activated once the relationship starts, it's because of a false feeling of ownership. My man, my mm-hmm. girl. And you start expecting yep. that person to do the things that you want because you feel like you have a certain amount of ownership to that person. So my name yep. is Aaron Mallory. I would love for you guys to check out my podcast is Let It Go, not the Let It Go podcast. So it's Let It Go podcast on uh, all platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple Music. You can find it there. We talk about a lot of different deep things. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Let Go. Perfect. Love the king. Let's do it again. All I ask is that you think.